Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Football Talk from the Yorkshire Post, where we will be discussing some of the latest talking points from the world of football with members of our football writing team. On this week's episode, we're joined by Chief Football Writer for the Yorkshire Post, Stuart Rayner, and Football Writer for the Yorkshire Post, Leon Robshall, to discuss all of the latest developments affecting our local clubs. Don't forget, you can keep up to date with all the football news across Yorkshire and beyond by logging onto our website at www.yorkshirepost.co.uk forward slash sport, as well as checking out our various Twitter feeds, the main one being at YP Sport. If you search for Yorkshire Post Sport, Yorkshire Post Football or even Sheffield Sport on Facebook, you can find us there as well. If you have any questions for our writers, you can get in touch using those various Twitter or Facebook pages or email us directly with the subject matter as footballtalkpodcast at yp.sport at jpimedia.co.uk. Yorkshirepost.co.uk As mentioned earlier in the intro, this week we're joined by Chief Football Writer for the Yorkshire Post, Stuart Rayner, and Football Writer for the Yorkshire Post, Leon Wobshall. Morning, guys. Morning. Morning. Um, right, so before we begin our review of our teams, we're going to look at a current and quite controversial topic. Um, the government has now published the fan-led review of football governance. Uh, it contains 10 main uh, recommendations, possibly the most important of which is that the government should establish a new independent regulator for English football, and that regulator should oversee financial regulation as well as uh, setting new owners and directors tests. Um, the lead CEO, Angus Kinnear, caused a, um, a lot of comment when he referred to some of the proposals as Maoist. Uh, and in his programme notes uh, for the home game against Brentford, he came out strongly against government control over the game. Um, w- with such a large number of va- vested uh, interests in the English game, do you think the review will actually result in meaningful change, Stuart? Um, well, it's hard to say, to be honest with you, Mark, because we've, we've had lots of this these talk and reviews before and, we, and it often doesn't come to anything. I think... I think really it will boil down to the government who have sort of promised this this change in their manifesto for the last general election. It boils down to whether they have the the hunger to do it because I think if it's left to football itself and, you know, before the review and in the review, Tracy Crouch was very, um, very strong in suggesting that it would be better if football sorted its, it, itself out. You know, there's been a lot of pressure... Uh, from the government really since the since the lockdown you know in the summer of 2020 for for football to do more about this and they haven't mm-hmm. uh, as you, as you say there's a lot of vested interests involved and i think i think that the issue is if it's left to the vested interests either change won't happen or it won't be the right change mm-hmm. um obviously the, you know this government's got a lot on its place at the moment whether you know whether you like it or you just you dislike this government. You can't argue. There's there's a lot of big issues to deal with. So how high on the list football is going to be, hmm. um, we will have to wait and see. But I think as I think as football fans, we've got to, got to hope that they stick to their word and um, and really do, you know, push through these changes because I, I do feel they are needed. You know, for all that for all that you know, English football is you know a great product to use one of the buzzwords at the moment uh at the top end of the game i think there's a lot of a lot of structural issues which which really need to be addressed mm-hmm. um and and you know i'm pleased that this report has highlighted a lot of them um but but just highlighting them won't be enough and you know tracy crouch is probably as aware of that as anyone mm. because we're talking about the the vested self-interest and for me i was thinking the, the last thing I want is for a, a number of the team owners to come out and say, oh, but we we don't really think this will be a good idea, um, with, with the underlying reason being their financial interests. Because Yeah, I mean, you... sorry, go on. Yeah, uh, I was just going to say, because one of the uh, proposals was, what was it, a 10% uh, transfer levy? Uh, which would then think, go to like down further down the pyramid. Yeah, I, th- I think I think the actual reports um, uh, suggestion was just just a levy with no specific number put on it, and other people have attached ten percent. Okay. So, I mean, Tracy Crouch came out and said recently it could be it could be three percent or whatever. You know, to go back to what I said before, she's basically put the ball in football's court and said, mm-hmm. "Well, you come up with a number." 
And, uh, you know, it seems like a lot of the Premier League chairmen have come up with the number 0%. You exactly. know, I mean, we've, you know, we've already seen, you, you, you know, you, you talk about it as hypothetical as if the Premier League owners come out against it. Well, we, we, you know, we've already seen them, you know, roll out Angus Kinnear, Karen Brady, Christian Perslow. There is there is a lot of objection to this, but you know, I just think I just think you know we look at the we look at the hoo ha over the Newcastle United takeover, mm. uh, for example. You know, and it, it seemed like that that was a decision that that got passed by, uh, but but by the by the Premier League and what have you, and then there's been this this further decision about whether they can. Um, uh, this sort of cap on them on them raising sponsorship revenues and, and what have you for a certain period of time, and it just it just felt like that decision, like the decision if you remember with the restart about whether we should play games on neutral grounds yeah. or uh, you know the decisions about whether there should be relegation, which obviously wasn't just a Premier League re- issue that went all the way down to non-league football. It seems like all of these decisions were just we're not taken on the basis of what is right and what is wrong. Mm-hmm. It was just taken on the basis of how will this affect my club? So it seemed like most of the objections to Newcastle United weren't actually about human rights or about sports washing or about, you know, um, distorting the market so much as, oh, crikey, if Newcastle United get all this money, yeah. are we suddenly going to be able to struggle to compete with them? You know, and the, the stuff about playing games on neutral grounds was going to be... Uh, stuff about relegation was all about um, oh if we if we vote for relegation we might get relegated whereas you know to go down the scale you've got clubs like York City Harrogate you know pushing strong for promotion because they're in line to get promoted it's natural it's the club's you know, looking after their own interests, which is what they're supposed to do. But you need somebody to look at the bigger picture yeah. and to say, look, this this isn't about what will affect Aston Villa, for argument's sake, this season. This is about what is best in the wider interests of the game. And I think if we can if we can get to that stage, I think that would be a, a massive leap forward. But there is there is going to be an awful lot of resistance because you know the system at the moment suits a lot of people that's that's why it's in place and and i say unfortunately it's not even that it suits the majority of the clubs it's that suits the clubs with the most money the most pulling power Mm -hmm. and they are able to dictate to the rest and and that's that's really how we got the position of the european super league you know uh, idea coming about these clubs thought that they had so much power that they could just force through whatever they wanted because they've generally, you know, that's that's by and large been the period, you know, the, the pattern of the last few years. Mm-hmm. And that, that was the point they sort of reached where there was enough sort of fan opposition and, and general opposition in the game that they could actually cut it short. But, that, you know, the worry is that there'll be, there'll be other issues. There are other issues at the moment. You know, every TV deal, every parachute payment yeah. is sort of discussed in these terms. And I just, I just feel at the moment, you know, Angus Kinnear talked about protecting the competition of the game. Well, you know, you look at Leeds United, and Leeds United are in their second season back in the top division. Mm-hmm. Well, the last time Leeds United were in their second season back in the top division was 1992. They won it. Yeah. Yeah. Now that's just not realistically possible Mm-mm. you know obviously we had Leicester City but, but basically the season has started and we you know I would say at the start of the season we've probably had Chelsea Liverpool and the two Manchester clubs who had a realistic chance of winning the league yeah. I say one of those clubs Manchester United have already sort of ruled themselves out through you know running themselves so badly so we're down, we're down to three mm-hmm. but the rest really didn't have a, have a chance and the reason is finances yeah. and then you look at the championship and really, you know, there's only Fulham and Bournemouth. It looks like it's only those two with their parachute payments who are going to win automatic promotion. Yeah. You know, and you go down the divisions again and again, and it's so much dictated by finance. You know, there was all this, there was all this romantic nonsense, wasn't there, about Stockport knocking Bolton out of the FA Cup? Mm-hmm. But actually, if you look at it, Stockton had poached Bolton's captain that season. They poached one of Bradford's cities strikers and they'd uh, they'd taken Tramir Rovers' manager 
you know, this was not a poor, plucky underdog. Yeah. This was a club in a in a pretty unregulated division, the conference, mm-hmm. chucking money around like nobody's business and having a lot of success for Bury. And they gave Rotherham a really good run in the second round as well. Mm. Um, so that I just feel like the game, you know, way beyond England is far too much dictated by by money. And, you know, you talk about the Premier League clubs wanting to hold on to their money and you can kind of say... The kind of argument is, well, we need to be able to compete with Bayern Munich and Barcelona. The, the, the very top clubs say we need to be able to compete with Bayern Munich and, and Barcelona and what have you. Well, they have a TV deal that blows those clubs out of the water. Yep. So that's not really a, a valid argument at, at, at this time. They, they just need to share more of that money around because if we don't have that competition, if we get to the stage where leagues become predictable, you know, like they are in Germany, like they are in France, like they've been in Italy, like they are in so many other countries, you know, English people sometimes sneeringly talk about what things are like in Scotland. Well, we're going in that direction. Mm -hmm. And if if you do that, you know, if you get to the stage where, you know, you have international football competitions where England are winning ten nil, or England women are, win- are winning twenty nil. It's not interesting to watch. No. It's not. It's not. You know, to use their terminology, it's not a good product. So eventually, the TV companies will turn away from it. Yeah. And even those clubs that are doing this to ram home their own advantage will suffer for it mm. because people don't want to turn on and watch foregone conclusions every week. Mm. You know, they want to see. You want to see jeopardy in sport. You want to see genuine competition. And it seems kind of counterintuitive to say that to get greater competition, we should give more money to the clubs that are doing badly. But that is actually the reality of the situation because the gaps are becoming too wide. And we're having, there's, there's a danger of more and more of these stories we've had with with Berry and Macclesfield, you know, further back in time with the likes of Halifax and Scarborough, you know, we, we nearly had it with, with Bradford City or others. Mm. And football clubs are just too important, in my opinion, as you know, community organisations to just see them go to the wall like any other business. And I think that's that's part of the point of the review, acknowledging that football clubs are more important than everyday businesses for what they give to the community. But, you know, if, if you're going to get extra protection as a result of that, there has to be extra responsibilities as well. Yeah, exactly. This has to yeah, be... I mean, there's, there's plenty to... I mean, in terms of the review, there's, I think there's plenty that most... Football sports would agree with, really, isn't it? You know, the stuff like shadow boards, having full, you know, sort of uh, transparency and greater equality, diversity. Most people would agree with that. Um, improving the supporter engagement. Um, you know, and this, this stuff about the, you know, the fit and proper person. I mean, let's talk about, you know, you submit a, a business plan and you got to show evidence of, the, of your um, resources. I mean, it just sort of shows how um, sort of lo- loosely interpreted it was. It was before. I mean, you should be doing that anyway, shouldn't you? Really, you know, really serious due, due diligence checks before anybody gets into the door. Mm-hmm. You know, really toughen, toughening that up. I mean, that's that's got to be. You know, a, a huge priority. It should really have been done before. They should have been a lot tougher. But there's a lot to do. There's stuff there that I think everybody had. I'd agree with really, but let's see how it's how it's implemented by the government. Mm. I mean, I mean, really, you know, as Leon says, a lot a lot of this stuff is common sense, and clubs should be doing it anyway. You know, Absolutely. because it's it's in their interests. Yeah. You know, you look, you look at clubs at the moment like Sheffield Wednesday and Hull City, and you look at the, the divide between the ownership and the fans, and it's it's damaging those clubs. Mm-hmm. You know, Hull have never. It, it, I, I guess I imagine if you're not a football fan or maybe not a sports fan. You probably think it's a bit bonkers that football fans are so interested in what colour their kit is or not changing the name and things like that. They might seem quite trivial, but you know, if you look at the damage that Hull yeah. trying to change the name to Hull Tigers did yeah. seven years ago, they've never recovered from that. That you know, yeah. the, the relationship between the owners of the club have never recovered. You know, we've seen we've seen this week, you know, uh, Chancery. You know, coming into more trouble with the Sheffield Wednesday fans about the way he's introduced season ticket prices and all this sort of thing. And it's just, you know, if if they're all on the same page, you're just so much stronger for it, and it it, it really should be in their in their best interest. But frankly, you know, we've kind of taken this attitude for years and years. Oh, these are logical things; they should want to do it, and they haven't done it. 
So we really have reached the point where somebody has to step in and say, no, we're going to we're going to make you do it. I mean, you, you know, you have Premier League clubs lecturing the Championship clubs saying, well, why should we give you handouts? Your clubs aren't run properly. You know, Championship clubs are £1.3 billion in debt. And they're right, Championship clubs aren't run properly. But Premier League clubs are £4 billion in debt. Exactly, yeah. They're just... They're just lucky enough that they're in a division with this sort of TV deal mm-hmm. that they can they can keep them at bay. But as soon as they get relegated and as soon as the parachute gets cut away from them, if they're not run properly, they're in serious trouble. And we, you know, we've had sixty-two clubs out of ninety-two go into administration since the Premier League started. You know, we've seen a lot of clubs in Yorkshire come very close to going out of existence. Mm-hmm. This this has to be regulated to stop that happening because. It's just too it's just too important, and, and you know, for all the for all the, I've sort of hammered the clubs to some extent, they do an awful lot of good for our communities, you know, mm. with their foundation work and all that sort of yeah. stuff, and that's why we need to protect them. Mm-hmm. You know, and, well, and to I mean, be honest, stuff about the stuff about protecting club heritage, Stuart, that's that should go without saying, shouldn't it? Yes, you know, it should. Yeah, you know, they make they made a big. Um, you know, a sort of big fury about it, but I mean, you, you, you sort of consider how the games sort of running, running, running Germany, and yeah. you, you know how the, how the fans are at the at the centre of it all, and they must, you know, look at our game and sort of scratch their heads. You know, seemingly the home of home of football, it, you know, making a big thing about protecting club. It's you know that that should be there. You know, that should, that should be part yes. of the package. And anybody who who takes over a, fo- a football club, you know, in an old fashioned sense, they should be custodians of that football club. And I'm, you know, I'm afraid not enough people are. And as you as you rightly say, I mean, as you speak about um, Hull and you know the fissures there between the between the uh, the board and the fan base. This haven't healed, have they? Since the no. obviously the whole the whole Tigers project, and you know, fans. Fans aren't stupid, and you know it, it's they'll. It's like the old saying: they will always be there when they, you know the managers will go and balls balls will go, but the fans will always be there. And um, yeah, I mean, it's because I agree with hell of a lot of the recommendations, but it's just so sad when you see things like protecting clubs' heritage. That should that should just go without um, that should just go without saying. But obviously, there's that, that many rogue. Um, Owners who've unfortunately got their hands on clubs in in the last couple of decades that you, you can't say that they have, but yeah, plenty to admire in this. And but let's see if it's got any teeth. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, it's something you need to stay on top of as well. You can't you can't sort of implement changes in the next year, say, and then no, and then no. and then that's it. I mean, Leo mentioned Germany, which is a a case in point because it, it's a constant balancing. Plus ones, but it's a constant balancing act between running a club properly. I mean, in, in Germany, for example, you know the fans have basically put a stop to Monday night TV games. They're not having it. Mm-hmm. But the the flip side of that is that German t- German clubs get a much smaller TV deal to try and compete with the English game, and uh, and you know the, the the German clubs have got this fifty plus one deal. But then you've got one club who have essentially taken the Mickey out of it. So you've got you've got RB Leipzig who pretend their name is Rasenball Leipzig, but we know it's Red Bull Leipzig, mm-hmm. and they have the fifty plus one rule. But I, I think I'm right saying they've got fewer than twenty members, all of whom, by coincidence, either work for Red Bull or used to work for Red Bull. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah, so yeah. clubs will fi- will find ways around it to get to get more money into the you know into into the competition, and it, it is just striking the balance. But at the moment. English clubs can't say, well, we're the poor relations. As I say, they've got a TV deal that is obscene compared to other people. So they can afford to make a few concessions mm-hmm. to, you know, to help the fans out and make the game better. And actually, to be brutally honest, you know, clubs like even Leeds United and what have you, getting a bit less money in will actually be better for the world game. Because at the moment, you know, you look at the Champions League and how predictable it is, you know, it was a couple of weeks ago that every English club had already qualified for the Champions League, even though, as we speak, the competition, the knockout stages, even though, as we speak, the group game hasn't finished, uh, yeah. group stage hasn't finished. It, it's another element of where the competitiveness has just been skewed, and we just need to we just need to try and make it a bit better. And I don't think we should go down the full American route of uh, drafts and all this because yeah. that comes with no relegation, and we don't want that either. But um, the the balance isn't right. We need to accept that. We need to do something about it. 
Yeah. Again, it, it, it just means so much to the fans. And what we really have to think about is put them first because whatever happens, good or bad, it, okay, fine, the, the teams and the owners will, will face um, sort of the repercussions. But generally, generally speaking, it's the fans that will feel it most. Well, as, as Leon says, it's the fans who will be there in 20, 30 years' time. Hmm. These, are, these owners, these players, these managers, these chief executives, they'll come and go. Um, and it's 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 a game it's a game for the fans. It's it's as I said about Holland Sheffield Wednesday. You know, it applies across the board. Every, every club, every sport is so much stronger when the fans and the clubs are in unison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's see how how it pans out as as time goes on. Um, now to turn to our local clubs. Um, Starting off with Leeds United, uh, after looking in complete control at home to Brentford, they seem to have lost the game uh, 2-1 until Patrick Bamford popped up right at the end to make it 2-all. Um, injuries to Cooper and Phillips didn't help the cause, but five points from the last three games is a decent run, uh, is a decent return. Um, I suppose the real test will come during the rest of the month with games against the likes of Chelsea, Manchester City, Arsenal and Liverpool. Um, how optimistic should Leeds fans be at the moment, Stuart? Um, it's a difficult one to answer, really. I mean, on the one hand, I would say they should be they, they should be more optimistic for the fact that Patrick Bamford and Luke Haley are both back. That's a huge plus. But yeah. it's the way of things at Leeds at the moment. It seems to be that way at every club who's in that sort of position that it's been cancelled out by this injury to Cooper, this injury to Phillips. And, there's, you know, there's, there were, there were, there's been rumours this week, which, had, you know, we, we wait to hear for a, a bit more clarity on it, but there's been rumours that, that Phillips could be out for a couple of months. And, and, you know, I think we've talked in the past about, you know, Leeds's, uh win percentages with and without Phillips are, are pretty stark. So, you know, to, to get Bamford and Ailing back, but to lose Phillips on his own would be a big loss. No disrespect to Cooper, who's... You know, a further, a further loss. But yeah, I think I don't think I don't think Leeds fans can be so optimistic. I certainly don't think they can be complacent. Oh. Um, you would have liked to have, them to have garnered more points in the last week because of those games coming up. Um, but as Leon and I have said in the past, equally, I don't think I don't think they should be panicking either. You know, I think they've 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 got a manager who. I think most of them believe in, and I think they're they're obviously quite right to believe in. Uh, you know, they've got a squad of players that took them to ninth last season. It's we all know it's more difficult to follow up those sorts of performances, but I believe they can do it. They've shown they can do it. Uh, but there's no doubt about it. it. It's going to be a tough season for Leeds United, and certainly a tougher season than I was expecting at, at the start of it. I don't know about you, Leo. Yeah, I just it sounds a little bit old old fashioned still, but I I just think everybody's just got to stay stay and stick together there. Yeah, it's it is going to be one of those seasons that obviously not as straightforward as everybody can imagine. There's been some bumps in the in the road, and I dare say that there'll be a few more. I mean, obviously they've um, waiting on the news on on Calvin Phillips is obviously Liam Liam Cooper. As well, and there's there's even some suggestions that um, I don't know how true it is that, that Bamford may have injured himself in actually scoring on the, on on Sunday he might be out for a, for a short term spell. We'll wait and see. I mean, Leeds Leeds and Marcelo Bielsa have dealt with it's one thing they have dealt with in in the in his time at the club with with injury absences. You know, touch wood that these aren't going to be. Be, be, be too bad but they, they really have just for me they've got to stick together I mean there was the stuff at the end um, which I didn't particularly um, wasn't particularly impressed with or like to see with with Victor Orta remonstrating the director of football with someone in the West Stand and you know it's just the you know off the pitch that, that image it, it gives off and it, it wasn't um, wasn't good for me they've just got to really stick together I mean that that, that it's a powerful tool. Is Ellen Road and the, and the Leeds United supporters? I mean, they hold them over the line. You know, obviously there was the penalty against the late penalty against Crystal Palace, but 
I think the fans sensed that Leeds weren't in the best moment, but and Leeds weren't weren't playing the best, but they were. They really put everything, um, you know, everything in on the pitch. It's not necessarily the quality, and, and they got a big result. And it's, I think, they're going to have to be certainly some more of that. They've got some hellish games this month. Let's face it, haven't they? Going to mm. going to City, Liverpool, and um, and, and Chelsea. Because they got Arsenal at home. But I mean, if, if they want some inspiration, they should maybe look at what Everton did the other the other night. Another club that. Well, Everton are having a, a, a real um, tough, tough time, a bit far tougher, tougher than Leeds were. They dug out a result, and I think that's going to be the way over over the winter. You know, just sort of find, finding a way. They've got some. Um, I think they've got is it Burnley and Aston Villa as well over the next month. They've just got to keep chipping away, and you would like to think that that they'll do some business. Hopefully, in January. I mean, they certainly. It looks to me they need another option on the left hand side of of defence and, and maybe something further up the pitch. Mm. But it's it's I'm still I'm like I'm as Stuart said, I'm still reasonably confident that Leeds will be will be okay, but there are certainly they've had some testing moments and they're gonna have they're gonna have some more and you know, even that even getting a draw against Brentford, obviously the second half didn't go the way they wanted to, but they still salvaged something out of it and they kept going. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that character aspect was was at least encouraging, but it's um, it's going to be a bumpy ride, I think. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, it, important to remember as well. This is Bielsa's fourth season, and there's been bumpy spells in all of them. You know, yeah. obviously yes, there was absolutely. missing out on promotion in the first season. It, there was a period in the second season when you were yeah. very worried. I remember being at Nottingham Forest thinking, "They're not going to do it again, are you? Are they?" Yeah. You know, there's obviously there was the. I, I remember a very tetchy. Marcelo Bielsa last Christmas in his press conference after they conceded six at Manchester United. You know, there's been difficult spells and they've got through them yeah. because they've got because they've got a really good manager. You know, they've got a group of players who know what that manager wants from them and and you know knows his way of working. They've got they've got the stability and they've got the you know the the things that we sort of preach in the other clubs. They've just got to show the patience and as Leon said, you know they're. The sporting director losing his head in the stands is is not a no. great sign in that no. respect. But no. um, he's a fiery character, you know. Let's not let's not read too much into that. It's not the you know that that's that's just what happened. But it, it is just about hold, holding the nerve, and that that is sometimes the hardest thing to do, which is why we see so many so many sackings. But I I, I genuinely believe, as clearly Leon does, that if they do hold their nerve, they they can get the rewards. They they need to. Show a bit of humility, maybe, and and you know maybe sort of accept a few mistakes in terms of making sign, you know, making signings, adding a bit more depth in the January transfer window. I do think they've hamstrung strung themselves, but so long as so long as they do that, I do believe I do believe they can get out of it. Ultimately, it's down to the being three poorer teams. I do believe there will be a safety if they stick to what they believe in, you know. Uh, if they uh, say if they if they make a few January signings, I think they I think they'll they'll stay up. But I you know I wouldn't be I wouldn't be wildly optimistic if I was a Leeds United fan. Now it's just the nature of it. You're bound you're bound to be worried, but you've just got to look at who's in charge, what's happened over the last couple of years, and say yeah I'm yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with this. And I, you know as Leon said about Ellen Road. It's not. It's not a big leap of imagination to believe that Leeds fans will do that. That you know they have, yeah. they have stood by this manager for obvious reasons. Um, it's not a club where you 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 fear right now. Oh, you know they might turn the next game and things go horribly wrong. I think they. I think they have that belief. I think they will stick stick with that belief as a, as you know as a wider group. And I think that will see them right. I think there's just just a, a final one on that. I mean, there's got to be a little bit of perspective as well. I mean. I think Leeds are probably having the sort of season that many maybe expected last season, but they obviously overachieved um, last last season. You know, real breath of fresh air and hit, hit the ground running. So this this season they're having now is probably like I said, what um, many many thought would would be last year. So it's not. It's this this year. You have to deal with it. It's and as Stuart said, it's for all the success that Bielsa's had. There has been times, particularly 
um, well, roughly winter this time of year, hasn't they? Where they've they've had some some tough moments. I remember the game at QPR as well when um, the, the famous picture of him. It was sat slumped, um, slumped on the floor, wasn't he, in the, in the corridor right there after a defeat? But he's generally found that answers Bielsa with what he's got. A bit of um, a bit of working work in January, holding of holding of nerve, and and Leeds will hopefully be okay. But um, yeah, one or two more bumps, I think. And now we turn our attention to Barnsley, who are still without a win uh, under new manager Poya Asbahi after a one-all draw at home to Huddersfield. Um, the result leaves the Tykes eight points from safety and Huddersfield dropped to 11th. Um, we, we know that both teams would have wanted um, a win from this game, but w- will either manager be happy with the result or performance, Stuart? Uh, sorry, Neil. Um, well, I mean, obviously in Barnsley's position... It's it's not a not a good one. Um, three games in, and Poitras Bar is yet to yet to win. I mean, I, I, I sort of agreed what he what he said after the game. Um, he, he sort of said, "Well, if we'd have sort of won ugly and had no sort of um, structure and maybe method in the in the way of playing, would it really be a good thing long term?" Because he he wants to. You know, get a, a structured way of playing that will be successful over five, over ten, over fifteen games to get points on a on a consistent basis. So I could understand sort of what what he meant there. Um, Barnsley did play play better than in certainly in an offensive sense than in the first first two games. They were super defensive against against Swansea and um, also against Peterborough. Really, I mean, they had the tick in the box of getting clean sheet up. Peterborough, but I think really when you go to a relegation rival, you know, getting getting three points is is, is obviously the, the bigger picture. But there were some good good combinations. Um, Callum, Callum Britton, Callum Styles looked threatening again at wing back. Uh, Carlton Morris showed what he what he brings to the party. Scored his first goal this season. Troubled Huddersfield's defence at times and there was some some nice build up play and approach work but they only actually had two shots on on target so that was that wasn't sort of um, ideal but there were there were signs there that there was some continuity in terms of the the play between both boxes um, some nice play so encouraging in that regard they got the first goal of of uh, as far his era so it's I suppose it's a it'd be a, a decent point and performance if they can chip away and get a couple of wins, you know, sometime this this month and over the the holiday season just to keep in touch. I think Huddersfield it was for me it was a missed a missed opportunity for them. They had the chances in the first first half. Uh, Josh Grom had a few. He hit the woodwork, scored a good goal through Lewis O'Brien. But I just thought that you know, in Barnes's position, I think they'd won something like one in. One in eighteen or something. They're obviously vulnerable. Confidence could have been an issue. I just thought they could have got at Barnsley more in the second half, and it was a bit unconvincing on the re- on the restart. Uh, obviously, they had the other forward options. Uh, Danny Ward worked hard. Fraser Campbell the same. Uh, it just never really really came off for them, and there was uh, there were one or two grumbles in the in the away end. I think they thought that you know Huddersfield should be. Should be banging on the door more against Barnsley. And you look at the record against the teams at the bottom: Huddersfield, the bottom four. They, uh, they obviously drew at Barnsley. They drew at Peterborough. They lost at, at Cardiff, and I think they've drawn at um, Derby as well. So four points out of twelve against sides at the bottom away from home. Mm. Partly, you know, it goes to explain why th- their away form has been has been very modest. And you know, if they are going to sort of uh, keeping that picture of being playoff outsiders, that's that's got to improve. But they're on a bit of a, it's a bit of a, a delicate one at the minute. I think there's only four or five points, isn't it, between between Town, who are eleventh, and I think it's something like Preston, isn't it, in in eighteenth or or nineteenth. So, you know, if if you have a if you have a good week, you can start looking up, upwards towards the playoff. If you have a bad one, conversely, and um, say so you're looking over over your shoulders, but you're in a a pretty um, 
a pretty decidedly average position. So an opportunity uh, lost for town, town for me in that regard. Yeah, I, I, I just feel with Barnsley, and this obviously applies to clubs across the board. You know, if you if you're going to make meaningful change, it's going to take a while. You know, and, and Poyo's bargain needs That's needs right. that time. Exactly. I mean, you know, um, Thomas Tuchel might argue differently, but he's the exception that proves the rule. Generally, you know, clubs get in the cycle of the the, the second manager mid season, and they either get a quick fix manager in. And, you know, they avoid relegation or, or what have you, but you're basically back to square one. Or you sort of take the pain and you you, you try and, as I say, make more meaningful change. And it is just going to take time. You know, we've seen that with, with Huddersfield, a classic example, you know, with with the, their last 18 months. It's not been all plain sailing, just like it wasn't hasn't been all plain sailing for Leeds trying to transform their club. And, it, it, you know, it won't be for Middlesbrough. So it wasn't hasn't been for Doncaster. It just, you know, we, we, we can't rush to judgment too soon, but we can see little steps forward. As Leon said, you know, the, the first goal under Asbargi and, you know, Carlton Morris, you know, finding the net and all this sort of thing. They are, they are baby steps. They're going to need more than baby steps, ultimately, if they're going to stay up. But, you know, we are where we are. As, as for Huddersfield, they just, they just look to me as if they're just flagging a little bit you know, it seems like um, it seems like the brilliant start he had to the season has caught up a little bit on Sorba Thomas at the moment. You know, we saw we saw Josh Caroma's form dip. Hopefully, Saturday was a sign that he's getting a bit of a second wind. Um, and you know, the 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 worry with Huddersfield we kind of mentioned before is how they sort of fell off a cliff really after Christmas last last season there's always the the slight panic in your mind that that might happen again but to me they, they just look more resilient this season because they've because they've sorted themselves out as a defensive unit I think they'll be much more able to withstand these things and you know if you were asking a Huddersfield fan going into the last international break say would you be happy with them 11th now no you probably wouldn't but if you ask them at the start of the season would they happy, be happy with 11th now I, th- I really think they would. Yeah. I don't think expectations were that high this season, and I say the way the way they started has uh, has raised them. But again, as, as Leon says, you know, they're eleventh this week. Next week they could be anywhere from about sixth to nineteenth. You know, it's such a it, it's such a a tight um, middle pack in the in the division. Um, you know, I don't. Uh, I, I do. I do feel they're they're in much better shape for doing for doing that sort of longer term work. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it, it's it's a wobble, but it's not a it's not a panic. I don't think for Huddersfield. No. Um, now we turn our attention to Hull City, who, after four wins on the spin, uh, the Tigers had to settle for a point away at Reading. Uh, the result leaves Hull in 19th, six points above the relegation zone. H- how big or how important must that feel for, for Hull City and their fans, really, at the moment, uh, uh, Stuart? Yeah, massive. I mean, to, to be honest with you, even a few weeks ago, I was kind of looking at the Hull City situation, thinking, hang on in there until the takeover. Things will get better then. They've mm-hmm. they've not they've not waited for that. You know they've they've really f- four wins in a draw. You know from the position they were in is exceptional. Really, um, you know they've, they've changed tactically. They've gone to three at the back, and that's that's helped them out. You know they've had they've seen a lot more of uh, of George Honeyman, which has obviously been very important. You know they brought Nathan Baxter in, and that's uh, that's that's helped helped them to to be a lot more solid, and it. it it just shows what a manager, and this will be an unpopular opinion with all fans, uh, but it just shows what a, a manager can do if you give him time to think his way around the problems. Because, you know, unlike a new manager, Grant McCann knows that squad, he knows the players, he knows the weaknesses and the strengths, and he's, he's, he's found a way around it. And it's only five games, it, you know, it's um, it's not like everything is solved and Hull are definitely going to be playing in the Championship next season. But, Things are things are a lot more a lot more optimistic at that club, and I'm really pleased because again, with regards to the looming takeover, if it does happen, I was of the opinion that rightly or wrongly, a takeover would almost automatically mean a, 
a change of manager. We know Grant McCann's not not very popular historically with the with the Hull City fans, and it, it just seemed like a a bit of an obvious one, you know, a bit like Newcastle changing manager when they changed ownership. But the fact that I say the fact that McCann has turned this around now, you know, suddenly that's not so not so straightforward and it's it's great credit to him and his resilience and to that group of players who I think I think we always knew they had good qualities about them that's why they won a league title last season my concern was always whether they had the self-belief that they could do it in the championship well if you don't have that belief after after four wins in a draw it's never going to come so hopefully hopefully you know in this really important part of the season we can see what the the real Hull City is made of. Mm-hmm. I don't think they've, they've been playing that that badly. Even obviously the the statistics mm. weren't great in in the autumn. So you know about the, the struggles in front front of goal and um, you know one thing or another. But they were getting beat very narrowly, weren't they? It was just little moments of of game management, if you like, not taking a a, a chance here and there, but. You know, it showed that the the heart was was beating. There's certainly a lot of a lot of togetherness there. You could obviously you can question certainly the 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 quality levels and if they've got too many championship ready players. But they were all fighting for each other. They were clearly all 100 percent behind the manager and his coaching team. And there was a you know there was a certain honesty about Hull, even you know in some tough moments. In in the autumn, you know, they, they look to have qualities that you would that you'd need in a in a relegation and battle. And you know, fair play to to Grant McCann. Like like Stuart said, he's he's not the most um, a, a popular guy over in, in East Yorkshire, but he certainly showed showed his 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 character and, and mental strength, and as the players have as well. And you know. It's, Stewart said it again, they've got some good players. Obviously, Honeyman was excellent um, last year, but you know some of the young lads, Jacob Greaves, he's he's had a very um, very good first half of the season. Everyone knows about Keen Lewis Potter, so they've got players there to to work with, and it's it's been an it's been a good uplifting story. They've they've, they've um, obviously they've taken some some wax this season, but the. They're certainly still in there, and uh, I'm doing the whole whole game against Bristol City on Saturday, and I'm, I'm quite looking forward to that. Hopefully, I won't I won't give them the kiss of death. <laughs> you, you just I just feel with Hull, you know, in contrast to to just jump ahead, and a team we'll talk about later. In contrast to Rotherham United, you know, mm-hmm. you just felt, as Leo said, they're in a lot of tight games, and you just felt in the in the sticky moments. So you know, take Rotherham this week; they were. Up against it, as I said, they were given a really tough game by Stockport in the FA Cup. Yeah. And I saw them at Gillingham this week. They were 1-0 down. They were playing badly. But because Rotherham were in the form they're in, you just felt that they believed that they would get through it. And that makes such a difference. And you you worried with Hull earlier in the season that they didn't believe that they were going to get through it. They just believed, we'll, we'll lose this tight game because that's what we do in tight games. Now, in the, in the, in the run they're in, that mindset has changed completely. And when they are in those tight situations, if they believe they can get through them, their chances of doing it is so much better. Yep. And as as I say, I think I think that I think that you can just see a different a different team, um, you know, when, when a side's in form, and say hopefully that's exactly what what Leon sees on uh, on the weekend. Mm. Yeah. Chris Wilder's uh, Borough moved up to ninth with a one 0 win at home to Swansea City. After a strong start uh, when, when Middlesbrough pressed very well, uh, Swansea came back into the game in the second half but weren't able to get that equaliser. Um, is Chris Wilder beginning to impose his style on the team, Stuart? Yeah, it, 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 it feels like he is. And it, you know, it's going to take time to fully get there, but it, it feels like they're, they're moving in the right direction. I mean, I saw, I saw Wilder's first game in charge and you could see improvements, but it certainly wasn't you know, full on wilder football that we that we got used to at Sheffield United, but by all accounts, you could see more of that um, in, in the win over Swansea. And, you know, as I said, with regards to Barnsley, it's going it's going to take time. I think I think the January window will be important because that should accelerate the process when he's able, if he's able to get players in who are you know more suited to his way of playing. You know, ironically, the fact that Sheffield United have changed manager and gone. 
back down more of a Chris Wilder route in terms of the way they're playing. That might that might mean certain players he had his eye on are not not available all of a sudden. But yeah, think, things are going in the right direction. And as Leon said, you know, um, in this in this championship, one good week can transform things. And for Middlesbrough and Sheffield United together, you know, they've gone from being quite low down on page two of the championship table to suddenly on page one and within sight of the champion um, for the playoffs. Just on the on the on the back of back to back wins for Middlesbrough, you know, I think uh, I think it's 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 a start to sort of fill Middlesbrough fans with optimism, really, and uh, a long may it continue. Hmm. Yeah, I think I think they've sort of shown two sides of it really in the last last two wins um, over Huddersfield and uh, and Swansea. You know, some some excellent um, offensive football, particularly in the first half against. Against Huddersfield, some real crisp passing, movement, energy. Um, players, you know, pu- pushing forward and, and signs of the Chris Wilder style. And by all accounts, they they had to dig it out against against Swansea. I saw Swansea a few weeks ago at Barnsley in a, a very good football fo- football side, and every player comfortable with the put with the ball a- across the pitch. So. Borough had to had to hold hold firm there, and I think it's probably important for for Wilder as well to see that side of it, to see to see them sort of cope cope with pressure and and, and see out a game and see the the resilience and 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 that side of it. But yeah, it's they're intriguingly positioned, aren't they? Along with with, with Sheffield United, as, as Stewart said, and but you, you sort of look at Chris; he certainly won't be getting carried away, and he's. He's obviously made no secret of the fact that he wants to um, address certain things in in January, but there's obviously the here and now at the minute of trying to keep Borough in the in the top six match. But they got a big game at Stoke, who, uh, who had a good result last weekend at QPR. This weekend they've also got Bournemouth as well at home the, the following week, and I think they've got Nottingham Forest as well this month. So they're they're three games that all that will really serve as a as a barometer in terms of of, of where where they're sort of at at the minute, mm. but yeah, I mean it's been encouraging from from Wilder so far. Even in the obviously the games against the, the two home games prior um, to the last two against, I think it was Millwall and Preston. Even though they only got one point, they were um, they, they, they played pretty well for fair parts of those games by all accounts. And I suppose a good thing as well for Wilder is that. One or two players are starting to come back. Dale Fry, who's a, a a big player for them at the back, he he came on in stoppage time the other day. And um, Piero's fit as well, so it's it's looking okay at, at, at Borough at the minute. But they've got some big games this month. Hmm. And uh, yeah, no, I, so, sorry, going through. No, no, I was just going to say this might look in. And I think the same the same applies, Leon, to um, to Sheffield United. You know, yeah, if you look at their absolutely. games coming up, uh, yeah, they've got they've got Q, QPR at home, Fulham away. We know what a difficult yeah. game that's going to be. Preston away with Brian Lowe having come in as manager. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Then then got a hull over Christmas week. Well, if the safe hull continue as we've been talking, that's going to be difficult. And then they've got uh, Chris Wilder coming along on New Year's Day, so they've they've got a really <laughs> difficult run. You know. Um, their confidence has clearly picked up. You know they've, yeah. they've had three three consecutive wins: one under Jukanovic, two under yeah. Eckingbottom. But the question with them all season long has been consistency. Um, so yeah. you know we, we can't get carried away by by three straight results, good or bad for them. Um, this is going to be a this is going to be a good test. But it, it does feel like Eckingbottom yeah. has just got a bit of confidence back into them. You know, got them got them doing things yeah. that they're familiar with. And uh, again, like Middlesbrough, you know, they're, they're very similar to Middlesbrough at the moment in a lot of respects, yeah. aren't they? And, um, and with them too, it's going to be wait and see, isn't it, for the next few weeks? Yeah. I mean, I mean, with, with respect to, obviously, winning the first two games, tremendous for everyone at, at, at Sheffield United, and you sense they've really needed it, haven't they? Yeah. And for Paul Hegemotten as well, but you know, in terms of the, of the games they've had, Bristol City at home, that's not a bad first game, you know, with, with, with all due respect to, to Bristol City. And then going to Cardiff, who they've had a terrible time of it, Cardiff, haven't they, on, on home soil. Mm-hmm. They're not the worst home and away games to have first up, and even prior to that they played, I think it was Reading, wasn't it, Sheffield United and, 
and got wins there. You look at you know the QPRs, the um, you know the Fulhams in this world. They're they're going to be more bellwether games for in terms of the, the progress for for Sheffield United. But it's you know it certainly is in, encouraging. I mean, I suppose looking a little bit further forward, one thing will be the um, the situation with Morgan Gibbs White. I mean, he's been excellent. I mean, he's, he's been. Very good for spells this season, but he's certainly been excellent in the last two games in, in particular. And obviously, Wolves. I think Wolves have an option, don't they? Potentially recall him in in January, and I, I'd imagine that everyone connected with the Blades will be desperate for him to stay in South Yorkshire. Hmm. Well, I suppose the one promising thing for Sheffield United is that Wolves are playing quite well on their own without him at the yeah. moment. They're yeah. not. They're not in a sort of situation where they perhaps feel they need that introduction so so fingers crossed but it's let's face it it's a good it's a good problem to have they've had much worse over the years as of everyone else and yeah yeah, yeah. i think like we've, we've we've sort of spoken about it as well consistently Stuart. you look you do look at the championship and it's it's as entertaining and um hard to predict as as ever really i suppose apart from from, from the top two but down below, from from third down to you know seventeenth, eighteenth, there is not a lot between sides, and you'd certainly think that one, if not two, of the positions, um, the playoff positions, will maybe be, be decided by teams about how they finish the season. You know, um, you could get a couple of a couple of sides who come from sort of mid table at the business end of the season, and. Um, and jumping the playoffs it, it, it is the most open I've seen it for, for years. And, you know, it's the, it, it's encouraging, isn't it, for the Sheffield United of this world, the Middlesbrough's, the um, the Nottingham Forest. You know, the, there's a hell of a lot of teams in that picture. Well, I mean, you know, to, to just go back to where we started, it's the unpredictability of the championship that makes it such yeah. a good league. And that's that's why... You know, the, the part of this review is is maintaining that competitiveness and that unpredictability, not getting to a situation okay. where it's a foregone conclusion because of money. And uh, yes, certainly, certainly our Yorkshire clubs are doing their their very best at the moment to make it hard to predict. YorkshirePost.co.uk. Many thanks to Stuart Rayner and Leon Wobtrell, who will doubtless join us again soon for more discussions on the Yorkshire football scene. But don't forget, you can keep up to date with all the football news across Yorkshire and beyond by logging onto our website at www.yorkshirepost.co.uk forward slash sport. Or if you search for Yorkshire Post Sport, Yorkshire Post Football or even Sheffield Sport on Facebook, you can find us there as well. If you have any questions for our writers, you can get in touch using those various Twitter or Facebook pages or email us directly with the subject matter as footballtalkpodcast at yp.sport at jpimedia.co.uk. As ever, many thanks for listening. Look after yourselves and bye for now.